5: What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. A spectacular day. Let me let me start with this. Richard Sherman is a member of the Tampa Buccaneers. He signed today for two point two million dollars. It's essentially a minimum deal. Here's Sherman making the announcement on his own podcast.
2: Everything has been been kind of wiry this offseason, season. Um, but I finally you know, had enough conversations and came to a decision that I'm going to go play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Woo! Woo! All the craziness and then all the hate and then all the tweets and then everybody's mad because I didn't go to their team. I'm sorry. I, I went with the best offer I had, um, the best opportunity to, to go out there and put some great tape on uh, to lead another group. Uh, I feel comfortable and confident in, in my abilities uh, to go out there and, and execute and help that team win. This was an opportunity I couldn't pass up, and I, I weighed all the options with my wife and, and my family, and uh, this is what we came up with. So right. I'm ready to strap him back up and go out there and show that these old legs still got some juice.
5: Uh, this is Sherman when asked if Tom Brady reached out to him.
2: He reached out initially, you know, to, to and check, just check to see if I was in shape. You know, he and I have had a relationship um, over the years, and and you know he's been very he's a great guy, you know, very encouraging. Um, obviously, like you said, we had our history, but you know what happens on the field stays on the field, and um, off the field, you know, I think we have a very solid relationship. Um, and I think we, we both, you know, thought it'd be really cool if we had an opportunity to play together at some point in time. You know, obviously with our situations, it didn't seem likely um, at any point in time. But uh, he reached out and, 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 and said they may express interest. And obviously he, he wanted to play with me.
5: <laughs> I I think it's the other way around, but still it's, it's Tom Brady showing great leadership and going like, Hey, what do we need? Th- there is one, there's a, there is an underlying issue. And again, I'll ask Dana Jeremiah this because he's seen Sherman in person so many different times. I'll ask TJ Ward this. I was under the impression that Sherman now is, is not nearly as much of a man to man guy uh, as, as he used to be. And Um, when he's been in man to man, that's when those old legs, as he said, have, have gotten exposed, but we'll see, we'll, we'll ask the football guys if it makes sense. I do think it's, it's interesting that, that Richard Sherman, he doesn't come crawling back to Tom Brady, but remember there's the famous, you know, trash talking of Brady when he was in new England playing against the Seattle Seahawks where, you know, Sherman basically called his success phony called his success false, Right. Now all of a sudden you're going to, you're going to join forces with him. Yeah, that's, that's borderline comical to those of us who've been paying attention, but that just shows where Richard Sherman is, right? Richard Sherman has been, he's kind of a showman. He'll say whatever, do whatever in order to get your attention and just bring attention to his play, which when he was at his peak was, if not the best among the best in the NFL, the problem with that is suddenly now you become a carnival barker when we pay attention to it. I'd also point out that to anyone who says that football is somehow unfair towards people, uh, you know, it, it turns their back on, on people of color. Like here's Richard Sherman who still has a pending, you know, DUI out there against him still has those personal demons, whatever was happening off the field when he was in Seattle during the offseason, just like a month ago. And yet he gets another opportunity in the league. Why? Because he's been a great player. And in all candor, because that's the only issue he's ever had during his career. But you get opportunities in football based upon your ability. Or your perceived ability. That's it. But it is funny that here Richard Sherman has gone from a he has gone from a Tom Brady denier to, my guess is, the rest of the season, he'll be a Tom Brady champion. And if there is anything more that we could add to this rivalry or to this game this week, I don't know what else it could be. Right? Rob Gronkowski going to play Hurt, Richard Sherman playing against the Patriots, and Tom Brady and their Seth Wickersham's book, It's Better to Be Feared, that's out there, which describes Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick. And what went down? Right. I, I've I've read excerpts from the book. I I've and what happens is it feels like Seth's information. While I, I would never, I, I you feel like you know who the sources are, right? The sources are clearly Don Yee, and pretty obviously uh, Alex Guerrero, and it 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 seems to. In insinuate that Brady wanted a he wanted a contract extension, but I'm sure he wanted his own terms with it. What the what the Patriots didn't want is what so many of these other teams have, which is a quarterback. They don't want what the what the Steelers have. All of this started with Alex Guerrero being welcomed into their facility, but then Tom Brady using his platform to promote that lifestyle and taken away from what the Patriots had done for years. That's where it started. And then when Guerrero wore out his welcome, that departure started to trickle down of events. Oh, they don't, they don't respect you. They don't trust you. They don't think you can compete. No, they just don't want what the Steelers have. They don't want a guy who used to be a great player, who's now a washed up bum. And we start making, it's almost like Benny Hill music, watching Ben Rothsberger play over this weekend. That's what everybody was afraid of. It's Manny Pacquiao retired last night. You could make the argument that in his prime, Manny Pacquiao, among the greatest of all time, but couldn't win a fight recently. Why? He's over the hill. He's over the hill. So I'm, I'm not defending how Belichick handled it, but that's how he's handled everything. And he uses years and years and years of football perspective to make his decision. And based upon his decision, he's sitting there going like, you know, who plays quarterback well in their forties? You know? Yeah. The offense got bland. It got bland because they tried to build up the defense the line and the running game in order to protect you during this period of time. And they could never figure out the wide receivers. Yes, Tampa had way better weaponry. That's because they'd sucked for the better part of a decade. It allows you to pick high in the draft and just the, the hit rate at some point, you know, if you're hitting on 50 to 60% of top 10 picks, you know, you're going to you are gonna have good players. And they did. It's not just the top 10 pick in the first round. It's top 10 pick in the second round. It's top 10 pick in the third round. So you have the best of those associated draft grades. So, like, I, I understand that that Brady was done with Belichick and that Belichick still wanted Brady, but wanted him on his own terms. You can be reasonable and see both sides to it. That's what the radical center does. You're like, yeah, I'm actually not going to blame anybody. Well, Belichick's got to treat him differently. Why? For 20 years he didn't treat anybody differently and it worked. Belichick's got to give him some lump sum payment, huge contract extension into his 40s. Why? That had never worked before. And there were were signs of arm fatigue. And I'm sure Belichick knows what the worst kept secret in the world is. Giselle doesn't want him playing football. All of these things would make you a little bit hesitant towards moving more of your salary cap into that of your quarterback, especially when... You'd never done that throughout his career. He made $230 million. She's worth a couple hundred million dollars. It's a respect thing, not a money thing. I don't know. I I see this as, you know, unbelievable storylines this week. Tampa, of course, they're more talented. They were crummy for a long time. And then you get Brady, who's able to talk Gronk out of retirement they, they're able to somehow work Antonio Brown in, whether he's healthy or not, and now they can get Richard Sherman in. I will say that the issue they're going to run into is, man, they got a lot of big personalities. And Dominick Sue can be different now that he has kids and he has a, another championship, but Dominick and Sue has been a guy about Dominick and Sue for a long time. Antonio Brown has won a championship and it worked last year, but the idea that it works in consecutive years and not being about him, who that's risky. And now you bring in Richard Sherman. They have the double-edged sword of age, which sometimes leads to players not playing nearly up to whatever your perception of them is and, and a ton of ego. I know it's what Tampa needs is helping their defensive backfield, but does it work with their scheme? And can he still play? And if he can't play, can Richard Sherman take it if he has a subsidiary role?
1: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
0: Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of Select Can't Miss Events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at Select Events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex.
3: I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
5: Well, let's let welcome him in. He's the managing director for his USA Men's National Team. Of course, he's a Hall of Famer, seven-time All Star, one of the great college and pro players of all time. Grant Hill, kind of to join us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Um, Grant, but before we get to some hoop stuff, this is a very important, very important thing in which uh, you're uh, doing national radio and local radio interviews for. It's prevention of prostate cancer, correct?
6: Yes, yes, Doug, and uh, I appreciate you allowing me to come and talk about it. Uh, You know, prostate cancer uh, disproportionately impacts and affects the African-American community. African-American males uh, are are twice as uh, likely to be diagnosed with prostate cancer, two-and-a-half times more likely to die from prostate cancer. So um, I, I am, you know, Definitely adamant and passionate about changing that, educating, informing uh everyone, your audience included. Uh it's so important uh <clears throat> that we learn about it, that we go get tested, um, that we talk to our doctors, we learn about treatment options. Prostate cancer is something uh that impacts all men. And obviously, like I said, African American men, maybe even more so, but it can be prevented. It can be prevented if tested, or excuse me, it can be if it's detected early, it can be treated. Uh, the problem is, as you know, Doug, we as men, we don't like to go get tested. We don't really like to go to the doctor. But the treatment protocols have evolved from 20, 30 years ago, uh, and we just, you know, if tested early, it can be treated, and you can extend your life. So, uh, I appreciate you allowing me to come on. I partner with Dendrion Pharmaceuticals. Uh, obviously, there's more information. You can access um, the website, um, www.startstrong.us, uh, uh, for more information, but it's a, a real issue. And I also need the women. I know you have women viewers out there who, who, who listen to your show, Doug, but nudge your husbands, your fathers, your sons along. We, we need to collectively bring those numbers down and really make a difference as it relates to prostate cancer.
5: Um, uh, it's it's a stay strong. Is it? It's a uh, absolutely outstanding uh, foundation and something that that people need to pay much more attention to. Um, how would you characterize? Again, knowing that you're taking over USA basketball, what's it like for you to watch the Olympic Games?
6: Well, you know it was, it's always fun. You know I've always enjoyed uh, watching the Olympic Games and. Uh, you know, going back to when I was a kid, 1984, uh, there were like three events that stood out then, and, and even stand out to this day. It was the gymna- gymnastics, it was track and field, uh, and basketball. At least those were the three that stood out to me. And uh, this past year, you know, I got a chance to to shadow Jerry Colangelo and be with the team as they were training and preparing in Las Vegas. Uh, a couple of exhibition games, and then, of course, to watch and follow uh, on their journey this year. It was a, a tough journey, uh, a lot of interesting storylines, and COVID, and the team, uh, a lot of changes, three players from the finals flying in the day of the first game in, in Japan. Uh, so there was some adversity for Team USA this past year, but thankfully they were able to prevail and come together and ultimately win that gold medal. So it was fun. I mean, I was, I wasn't there. I was back home like you and everyone else watching, supporting, cheering on, getting nervous at times, but uh, certainly delighted with the outcome.
5: But, but it does, it makes it, again, this is just my estimation. You're actually on the job, which is, it makes it, I think a hard job because, you know, in in recent history, we've since the Redeemed Team, we've only won. So there's expectation that we have to win every time. And the second you don't play well, you, you only really get criticized. You don't necessarily get feels like you get applauded. Like I thought, what they did this year was amazing. They came together as a team. They fixed some things. They figured out lineups. You know, and and you know guys that they thought they w- would be their stars maybe weren't as as big a integral part. And other guys that. You know, like I thought of Zach Levine really elevated his his status in the league and with USA Basketball and how he bought into a role. I mean, it was really kind of interesting. But for you to get guys to play in three years, right, coming up, how difficult is it considering we don't seem to applaud as much as we criticize if they don't play perfect every time?
6: You made a great point. I mean, first of all, Doug, you know the game of basketball as well as anybody, and, and, and you know being able to understand sort of what what took place this year, the you know a little bit of the the challenges that were in place, the roster shifting and changing, uh, and all of that to come together to accelerate the process of coming together as a team. Uh, Against some of these countries who uh, players have been playing together and understanding the international game and understanding their roles for for decades, and so um, you know it, it is tough. First of all, it's not ceremonial. It's not a ceremonial position. Uh, this is the international game. This is their game. You know, our game, our NBA game, is very different. Uh, they beat you with precise execution. You know, if you don't switch right, they get a backdoor for a layup. It's a different style. There's more physicality to the game. Uh, So, you know, we we have to continue to respect that, respect uh, that we are sort of guests in their sandbox, if you will. Um, But I also think it's a tremendous opportunity. Jerry Colangelo, Coach K, Greg Popovich did a masterful job, and we had ultimate success gold medals. We have to keep that going. And, yeah, you know, there'll be louder noise if you don't have success than if you do. Uh, I understand that. But, you know, we're competitors, Doug. We're accustomed to the challenges that are in front of us. Uh, and I look forward to uh, not just the Olympics in twenty twenty four but also the World Cup, uh, which is fast coming uh, you know two thousand and twenty three in Indonesia. Uh, but it's really getting guys excited to want to be a part of the program. Some of the names that've been a part of it for years in recent years, LeBron, you know obviously the late Kobe Bryant, Chris Paul, and others, you know those those players are starting to phase out or have phased out already, and we're introducing new players into the pipeline. so, a great challenge, but also a great opportunity, and certainly looking forward to the incredible challenge.
5: Um, I want to ask you kind of quickly. You, you, I mean, obviously, you're kind of a basketball savant, and one of the things we've all seen is kind of the downsizing, right? And that it's become such a perimeter game, and yet there are really, really talented big players. You know, Joel Embiid. Uh, you know, Jokic obviously is the you know is the guy who's the reigning MVP. You do have quality center. Do you, th- in just your opinion? Will we is there a way to get back to where there's a little bit greater balance in terms of uh, not just mid range, but also low post play? Like, is there is there a will there be like in college football, for example, right? When we were kids, people ran the option. Right. Then they went away from the option. And now and then, of course, with the spread offense, if you look at how they play, it's actually option that they then throw out of. Right. The read option or it's a little bit of veer in the NBA. We went from such a you know, throw it in style, throw it in double team play off of that or or pick and roll. Now it's really high ball screen, play downhill, kick out for threes. Do we see basketball come back to where low post play is a more viable part of a championship formula?
6: You make a great point. I mean, uh, when you and I were younger and we were playing, it was definitely inside out, and now it feels like it's outside and even more outside. Uh, and so the, the big man and his is, has become, uh, or at least the traditional big man, has become certainly more, um, you know, more obsolete in a way. And um, but I think this last year was so exciting to watch the, the two finalists for MVP, Jokic and Embiid. Uh, and just how they played, how they lifted their teams, Uh, incredible regular seasons, incredible performances. Obviously, there were some injuries and some challenges for for both both uh, players and teams in the postseason. But uh, just just great, talented big men who can do a lot of different things. So uh, I think ultimately, you know, if they continue to have that kind of success and hopefully win a championship and have an opportunity to win, you know, it's a copycat league. You know, and and all of a sudden, other people may follow. It may also inspire and motivate young big guys who are coming in the pipeline, who are in high school now. Uh, I think a lot of those young players have gravitated to developing the perimeter skills and shooting the ball from the perimeter. Uh, but in being Jokic, they're great. They post up. They beat you in the paint. They beat you with their passing. They can shoot. There's a versatility to this sort of big guy dominance that we're seeing now. And it's fun. And it does what you said it brings balance to the game. And I'm not saying we go back to necessarily what it was in the 90s. Uh, But it's okay to throw the ball to the post and let a big guy go to work. And we've gotten away from that. And I hope the pendulum swings back a little bit more so you have variety in terms of how teams play and how teams attack. And uh, so it'll be fun to see how the game uh, evolves. And will it it, it continue to evolve to something like it was before? Um, But I, I love the game of Embiid and Jokic. And uh, it'll be fun to follow and watch them play and see their impact on the game overall in the years to come.
5: It's StayStrong.us. That's StayStrong.us, and and just a, a strong reminder to get tested. And if you're a woman listening, get your husband, your boyfriend, your dad, uh, or a, a brother to get tested a, as well. The great Grant Hill. Grant, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it.
6: Hey, as always, Doug. I appreciate you, man, and thank you. Fox Sports Radio
1: has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
5: What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio? Wait to hear what Big Ben Roethlisberger said about his Steelers offense. Daniel Jeremiah will agree or disagree with Big Ben upcoming this hour. Plus, you'll hear from Lavar Arrington uh, in regards to Mario Cristobal going. We're totally going off on his wide receiver. I, I don't know. If he went off on his wide receiver, but but the tweets from Rod Gilmore and myself had been much discussed. Over a million people have uh, have seen it and have offered up. Over three hundred thousand people have offered up some sort of opinion on it. I can track that data on on Twitter. It's kind of cool. But before we get to that, I I want to thank LeBron James. LeBron James, of course, who's won. Uh, what's he won? Four titles, right? Four NBA titles. Yeah, four NBA titles. Uh, Last year was a disappointing end to their season. So they changed the roster. Again, remember last year's team only had four players back from the championship team. They brought Rajon Rondo back, who went and got paid in Atlanta, then traded to the Clippers and then kind of fell out of favor in the playoffs. And now he's across the street back playing with the Lakers. In addition, they brought back L.A.'s own Russell Westbrook, who hadn't played Los Angeles since he was a player at UCLA for two seasons. So you get Westbrook, a former MVP. You got Dwight Howard back. Again, he was part of the championship team. There's a guy who's a former All-NBA first team. um, Will be, I believe, a Hall of Famer when he's done playing. You got Carmelo Anthony, who's the all-time leading scorer in the history of USA basketball, international basketball, and will be a Hall of Famer. He's now with LeBron trying to win his first championship. And you have LeBron, you have Anthony Davis, you have Russell Westbrook, you have Trevor Rizzo who's come back to LA for the first time since he won an NBA title. You got a lot of stuff going on. But the one thing that this team is synonymous with is their age. And um, apparently LeBron James... Has heard some of my work. Take a listen to what he said yesterday.
2: The narrative about our, 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 our age, I, I really, I, I kind of laugh at it. Um, you know, I, I actually really do laugh, and I'm not just saying that, but uh, some of them, some of the memes and some of the jokes have been, I mean, extremely funny. Yeah,
5: was, I mean, did you guys know I did an appearance at the improv here in Irvine, California? Do you guys know that? Yeah, let's, here's, here's, here's some of how it went down. What's the deal with the Lakers anyway? Right? What, are they going to play all of their games at five at night? (laughs) And it's so great to have Frank back as their assistant coach. You can barely see his lips, LeBron's lips moving when Frank talks. (laughs) Oh, and Dwight Howard, who actually is a champion, after saying he was a champion when he wasn't a champion i don't know should he just wear champion so he's always a champion <laughs> i don't mean to say the lakers are old but noah actually was part of this roster makeover plan <laughs> all right that's it that that was that was that was bad. That was bad. I we tried something. It was. got so Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. I did want to play for you something that was really interesting. Jonathan Isaac is, uh, uh, remember he had that uh, devastating injury. Was that two years ago? Yeah. With the, yeah. With the a really bad injury, super talented. I mean, when he came out six, nine can do kind of do everything for, uh for the Orlando magic. It just hasn't either been healthy enough or grown into his body, but, um, this was, look, we've, we've kind of waited for somebody to sensibly give me the case for why not having a vaccine, right? Like, Vandru Wiggins wants to say he stands for something. Well, tell us what you stand for. You can't say I stand for something. Well, what is it that's personal? Well, then you're not actually standing for something that we can all, you're just anti-vax.
2: So here's the way Jonathan Isaac put put it. Take a listen. I'm not anti-vax. I'm not anti-medicine. I'm not anti a science. I didn't come to my current vaccination status by studying black history or watching Donald Trump press conferences. I have nothing but the utmost respect for every healthcare um, worker and person in Orlando and all across the world that have worked tirelessly to keep us safe. Uh, my mom has worked in healthcare for a really long time. Um, I thank God I'm grateful that I live in a society where vaccines are possible and we can uh, uh, Protect ourselves and have the means to protect ourselves for the first in the first place. I'm not ashamed to say that I'm uncomfortable with taking the vaccine at this time. I think that we're all different. We all come from different places. We've all had different experiences and hold dear to different beliefs. What it is that you do with your body when it comes to putting medicine in there uh, should be your choice, um, free of the ridicule and the opinion of others.
5: Um, I, I look. I thought there's a lot of really smart, really thoughtful commentary coming from Jonathan Isaac. Uh, um, really, 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 really smart, really thoughtful. Um, the the problem with it is this 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 is the hole in his logic. The hole in in Jonathan Isaac's logic is it's solely about him and how the disease would potentially affect him. That's it. That was his. That was what he had to say. By the way, here's LeBron James yesterday stating why he did get the vaccine.
2: We're talking about individuals' bodies. You know, we're not talking about something that's political or, or uh, racism or police brutality and things of that nature. We're talking about, like, people's bodies and well-beings. You know, so I don't feel like, for me personally, and I should get involved in, in, in what other people should do for their bodies and their livelihoods.
5: Um, I, I think the, y- y- there, there's a bunch of different levels to it. Isaac's point, Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic, his point was like, look, I've already had it and we're still learning about what antibodies do to this disease as opposed to others. Um, But I, one, I can't get it right now because of the recency with which I had it. And two, based upon my health and my age, it's not really necessary that I, in his opinion, get the vaccine. The pushback to it is, and he did admit like, look, You're way, way, way less likely to get sick if you had the vaccine. He understands that, but he's already had it and he didn't get sick. He's looking at this in line with what we were all taught as kids in very basic science. We were taught the very, very basics of it. They didn't teach us MNRA. They didn't teach us about diseases which um, had not yet appeared before us where they were going to morph so quickly. We, we hadn't had it. We didn't study a global pandemic. Did you study global pandemic? I didn't and neither apparently did Jonathan Isaac. He's talking about the flu whereas the idea is once you have the flu you build up antibodies you're not going to have that flu again. The truth is you may have that flu again but it may not affect you nearly the same way. This is different and it's not about you. It's not about any of these players. They're very, very, very unlikely to get sick uh, if they even contract COVID. And if they contracted COVID and they did get sick, they have the b- absolute best medical care. And we've learned a lot about how to treat this over time. It's about everybody else. And that's the part that he's missing. But I I respect and admire not just his points, but his way of presenting it, which is like, look, uh, whether, I mean, I, I, I do think that, if you're not taking the vaccine, you inherently become anti-vaccine. But So he's not anti-science, but he does become anti-science when they're trying to tell him the science behind it and he's only looking in linear fashion. But that's the way in which you have a discussion. You go, hey man, you listen to believe what I believe, that this is it. Now, if you allow for the proper amount of feedback, you can simply say, look, all of what you stated for the most part is fairly accurate. Here's the differences. It's not about you, it's about everybody else. It's, it's not about this particular form of it. It's about what it could become if we don't have a high enough vaccination rate, which makes it far worse. Cause we're, we're always going to be one step behind it. You know, we'll be chasing the Delta. It'll be to the Lambda. We'll be on the Lambda. They'll be onto the, the, what is it? The Zeta, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. I started the day saying, let's not talk about vaccines but it's pretty obvious what has happened cities are working with the league and the league couldn't get it pushed through with the nba pa that they mandate vaccines so the league has nothing to do with the cities right we got nothing to do with it hey if you want to play in san francisco you want to play in brooklyn you got to have the vaccine or have been cleared in the last 72 hours before you before you play That's pretty obvious that the league, whether they're working in concert or the cities just know inherently how to pick up after them. And oh, yeah, by the way, the league today says like, look, if you voluntarily, if you it's very important in the press release, if you elect to not being vaccinated, you're electing to not play in those cities, you will forfeit your salary. Now, maybe Kyrie Irving doesn't care about money. I guarantee all these other guys do. And oh, yeah, by the way, if you're Andrew Wiggins, you can't play a home game as of now the strong likelihood is this is a way of forcing people without forcing people. So I'm not a virologist. I don't know enough about it. All I know is the most important ones say, this is what you do. Yes, go ahead.
3: Uh, I
1: understand what you're saying. I agree actually with mo- majority of it. The problem, the only thing I would have would be what about legality stuff? Like, is this something that could players can take to the Supreme court or go to to a higher court land about, you know, being forced or mandated to do something
5: that maybe they don't, but he's not being mandated. Okay. I'm just, I'm just and oh, yeah, by it. the way. And oh yeah, by the way, like vaccine mandates have been shown to be like constitutional. Again, if if it was all of this stuff for, for him with the league is, um, is collectively bargained. That's why they couldn't get, they couldn't get a mandate. And within each city, again, it, it, it all depends upon the laws and the rules of those cities. I I don't believe it's within the purview of, you know, the Supreme court, unless it's, you know, somebody takes it to court. Now is Andrew Wiggins going to take the city of San Francisco to court? So he doesn't have to get a vaccine so he can play with the warriors. Probably not. Maybe he would, maybe he does. Maybe he does.